Hello? Ben, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Holy cow, we got it, finally. Oh, finally. Okay. All That's right, all. Ready? All right, let's do it. Let's do all it. Right, here we go. So, Fun. everybody, welcome to Brothers Baseball Podcast Nation. Tonight, we are joined by the host of World of Baseball Podcast, Ben Gisser. So, Ben, hey, uh, go, ahead, go ahead and uh, tell us what you're all about over at World of, Base- World of Baseball Podcast. All right. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Love the work you guys are doing at the Brothers Baseball Podcast. Really, really, really awesome work being in the community with the World of Baseball Podcast and obviously many baseball podcasts around the world. So what I'm about at World of Baseball, we turn out weekly episodes of just baseball content, whatever content I kind of feel like doing, depending on what's going on in the MLB. I even talk about high school ball a little bit, college ball. I love everything baseball, so I like to talk about everything baseball. And thank God we've got a lot of support recently. A lot more fans starting to tune into World of Baseball, and hopefully you guys have as well. We're getting there. We're trying to to develop a fan base right now and just start from the ground up. That's really about it. Okay. So this is this is how everything this is how everything's going to go tonight. So I'll ask the questions and you'll give a response. So once you give your response, I will then in return give my response to the question. So if everyone's right. ready, here we go. All right, ready. Question number one: Do you think players will start asking for more money because of what they've seen? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think we've already seen that to some extent in the MLB recently. We saw one guy sign. I don't remember last year who it was, either Machado or Harper signed first, but we saw one of them sign and we saw the other one sign immediately. And then all the free agents started falling. So we see this trend where one free agent will sign for a certain amount of money and guys who think they're better will ask for more. And guys who don't think they're better will ask for slightly less than the amount. We saw that with, with Steven Strasburg this year, he signed early. He signed, um, like $324 million or $323 million or something like that. And then Garrett Cole, like the next day was signed. So guys really, really like see what other players are making and they compare themselves and I guess make decisions based off of that. So yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it affects how free agency runs. So big so, mega contracts. So I'll completely agree with you on that. So here's my answer. I absolutely believe players last for more money going forward. Um, one, the market seems to trend up every single year. On the flip yeah. side of that, back in the 1990s, you would never see a mega deal like you do now, like the Bryce Harper, uh, the Manny Machado, the Garrett Cole, and so forth. So it's I think it's also important to note, just because players ask for more money doesn't necessarily mean they will get that deal. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Absolutely. That, that, that's very true. It's pretty crazy to see guys like Garrett Cole make tons of money nine years that's locking a guy up talk about like someone being a franchise player that's really locking someone up absolutely so this kind of tells into question number two do you think it's worth for teams to sign players to long contracts what's your opinion on that ben um absolutely not especially especially if it's not their first time in free agency if it's their first time in free agency signing them to a mega contract sends them into their mid-30s and we've seen a sharp decline of veteran players not performing to standards. You see a lot of teams tied up with big contracts, most notably the Tigers with the huge Miguel Cabrera deal. When was the last time we saw him perform to a high standard? It wasn't very recently. I think signing someone for the amount of years, like nine or eight, is a little bit ridiculous because someone's not very unlikely that someone's going to be good for that long. It's just not a worth it bet. And I'm not someone who likes to play the risks in baseball so much, so I would be against it. I could see how a team would say like, yeah, that's really beneficial. You're bringing in a superstar. He's going to be with you for a long time. You'll 
have time to develop your city. He'll do great things off the field, things like that. The intangibles are obviously intangible, but signing up, signing someone for nine years or eight years, it just seems like a little bit out of hand for me. So, yeah, I think, I think I'll agree with you on that. So I think this is a great question. So here's my opinion. So usually when you have long contracts, you're going to have a significant amount of money. So I understand these players work a long time on their craft and they deserve to get paid. However, when you have one player, let's just use Garrett Cole in this scenario, that eats up a significant amount of salary. And I believe that's selfish. I think it's selfish because he could have chosen less money in years and the Yankees could have signed someone else with that money. On top of that, I believe it could be possible to put that uh, team in like a financial bind or a financial strain uh, later on you know, four, five, six, seven years down the road. So I think uh, what you just said about signing players to a longer-term deal maybe in their mid-20s, I think that would be okay. But when you start creeping up around 29, 30, and you offer a eight, nine-year deal, that, oh, man, I, just, yeah. I, can't get, I cannot get behind that whatsoever. Who wants a 39-year-old pitcher who's being paid $30 million a year? Like, you're not paying a 39-year-old guy to throw a couple innings for you, potentially get injured, and give up long balls all day. Like, by the time you're 39, you're probably not at the top of your game anymore, and you're probably not performing to a value that's $30 million worth, right? I mean. Right. I think I completely agree with you on that. Agree. I'll agree with you on that. So, I think the biggest person uh, that kind of stands the test of time, and I think you'd probably agree with you on this one, is Nolan Ryan. He retired at a very old age, but he he held the test of time, and he was phenomenal all the way through his career. True. Um, Nolan Ryan. Talk about a legend. Absolutely. You don't right, see so, guys like that anymore. No, you, you don't. Uh, and I think that, well, they could be few and far between. But yeah. Nolan Ryan is definitely an icon in the sport, that's for sure. Definitely. So, Question number three, how do you feel about the Angels not landing a starting pitcher? Okay, so a this big, one is something. A big starting pitcher, an elite starting pitcher. Uh, they haven't landed anyone yet, so they got to they gotta first wrap their ha- heads around getting someone that's not from their actually horrible minor league pitching development, which, sorry to say to the Angels, it's really, really not doing a good job up to your talent in the pitching. The Angels came into the offseason with a goal. They grabbed Otani last year. They got a decent starting pitcher who had, or two years ago, but he sat out all year with a UCL sprain. So um, they, they don't have any starting pitching. Tragedy of Tyler Skaggs. It's really awful, but there's nothing really you can do about it. So you have to go out there, and you have a ton of money to spend, and you got to go grab someone. I'm not necessarily talking about Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg. Middle-tier guys. I guess you could still consider them elite, like Dallas Keuchel. They failed to get anyone, and that is a huge loss. They did sign Rendon, but you're adding you're adding icing on something that's already a cake. Their offense has done fine. It's performed above average throughout the last two years, but the real thing that they've needed is starting pitching, and they have not found anyone yet who has been willing to sign in LA or they have not thrown money at someone. Who knows what's happened with them, but I think that's going to be a tough season for LA because of that. And I think it's a big mistake by their front office to not sign uh, at least a, a number one or two starting pitcher. So I got you on that. Um, so I don't know if you're, you're following this, but they have added two pitchers this offseason. They've added Julio Tehran of the Braves or from the Braves. And then they also added Dylan Bundy from the Orioles. So did Tehran sign, sign with the Angels? Yes. Yes. 
So he signed with the Angels, and then Bundy Bundy from the Orioles signed with Angels as well. So okay, so if Teron signed, I'm just checking this up. Oh yeah, so Teron did. You're right. So I guess I did not notice that. So I guess they do grab a starting pitcher, which is good. But still, with the money that they had, maybe instead of Rendon get Strasburg, maybe instead of Rendon get Keuchel. I don't. I don't think they needed to sign Rendon in that situation, and I feel like. Julio Tehran might just be an addition. Still better than nothing, and I didn't know that at the time. So thanks for alerting me of that. But um, yeah, I that's that's for I guess that's a decent signing for the Angels with what they had left. Grabbing Tehran. Yep. So you have uh, Tehran, and you have Bundy from Bundy from the Orioles. So at the starting rotation, you have Otani, which is recovering from TJ. You have Tehran, then you have Bundy, and then also you have two or three others in their starting rotation. But if you look at it, if you look at it from an ERA standpoint, the only individual, the only person with an ERA and a threes is Tehran. Yeah. And that is absolutely scary. Um, so I think a change of scenery will do Tehran some good. Um, however, the most, like you just stated earlier, uh, the most notable signing for the Angels this offseason was Rendon. So now you have a couple power bats in this lineup. You have Trout, you have Otani, you have Rendon. Um don't forget Joe Adele coming out of the minor leagues this year. And he's a, he's a little Kentucky boy too. So right down the street, oh, yeah. right down the street from me, I think he will, right. I think he'll be brought up uh, maybe hopefully the first of the year, if not later, maybe a couple months down the road. So now you have a couple power bats in this lineup. However, with them not leaning a starting pitcher, an elite starting pitcher, what we were talking about, I think this can mm-hmm. put them a year out from contending. What do you think about that? Yeah. I agree. I agree. And hopefully their pitching development finds some young talent that they're able to expose earlier than that. But I think, yeah, Adele's not fully ready yet to be an elite player. Once he comes up, it'll probably take him a year to get used to it, like most rookies. Um, yeah, two years out from contending, a year out from contending. Sounds about right. But they could be dangerous down the line, especially having Mike Trout for a long time. And then you sign Madden to uh, um, head coach deal. So, I mean, I think they're – trending in the right direction however with them like i said with them not laning the elite starting pitcher i think that puts them maybe a year maybe two uh, two years out from right. uh, being a playoff contending team so we already touched on this just yeah. a little bit uh question number four do you think the Nats should have kept strasburg or rendon what do you think um i personally i personally think they did the right thing i think they did the right thing by keeping Steven Strasburg, if you look at their farm system, if you look at their assets, they don't really have that. They don't. They don't. Besides the guys that they have in their rotation right now, which is Scherzer, they they really relied on that rotation throughout the playoffs. You have uh, you can maintain an elite rotation, and what what I've been able to see throughout the league is teams with elite rotations really really being successful. If you're able to maintain that, your offense will kind of calibrate to a point where they're where they're acceptable. And they'll get the job done as long as you guys are keeping runs off the off the off the board. Uh, defense kind of win ball wins ball games in baseball also, and starting pitching is extremely important. I think it's an overvalued, I think it's an undervalued asset to teams, especially with the rise of the bullpen and guys leaving games in fifth innings for bullpen guys to take over and shut him down. Starting pitching is really important. It's what the, got the Nationals to win the World Series. Strasburg was a huge part of that, as very evident. And uh, it's a good thing that they kept him. So I'll agree with you on that. Um, so in the game of baseball, I think pitching is extremely, extremely, extremely important. So with that being said, you know, keeping Strasburg was 
I think their best move. I would have kept Strasburg over Rendon. Of course, a power bat in your lineup always helps, but if you don't have solid pitch, solid pitching like the Nats did, I don't think you're going to win uh, a world championship. So now your starting yeah. rotation <laughs> consists of Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Sanchez, and Ross. Yeah, is, that's, that sounds like a pretty solid rotation to me. I mean, you have three potential – uh, two and a half potential Cy Young winners in that rotation, depending on how well Corbin plays. Right. He had a good, he had a good 2018 campaign. His 2019 campaign wasn't bad as well, but it was not as good as his 2018. That's a, that's a really good rotation. Yeah. I'm, I'm always prideful of my team, the Cleveland Indians, on having a great rotation, but I don't think he can compete with that. And I'll agree. So I think with uh, – I think this coming up year, I think Corbin's going to get a lot more innings uh, than what he got this year. Uh, due to Scherzer and Strasburg getting a lot of time uh, during yeah. the season and a lot of time during the playoffs because I think they need to kind of rest Scherzer and Strasburg to an extent and then kind of have Corbin eat up some of those innings. Yeah, they've learned to trust Corbin. They definitely have learned to trust him. So He's a reliable guy. So let's look at this from a, a third-base perspective now. You lose, you lose Rendon to the Angels. Uh, so that leaves the Nats with Jake Knoll and Carter Keyboom. Uh, neither one of these players have had significant playing time at the big league level. Here's my prediction. Uh, Keyboom will be a huge asset in the future. He just needs time to develop. Uh, with that being said, I firmly believe <laughs> the Nats will go out and get a, a true third baseman this offseason. I don't know who it's going to be, yeah. but I think they will try to go out and get somebody. What's your take? On yeah, that? They've, they've they've been linked. Actually, I was looking. I was looking at um, MLB trade rumors recently. They also cover free agency. It's not just trades. I'm sure you're familiar with the website. Um, Donaldson is actually Josh Donaldson is actually linked to the Washington Nationals in some ways, and that would be crazy. That would be awesome to see Josh Donaldson suit up in a Nationals uniform and play. In DC, I would love to see that, and that would be a great move by the Nationals. It's just a matter of if they can afford him or not. I think they'll be able to afford him. I think he's probably going to want three or four years, and maybe in the ballpark of sixty to seven million. Um, and I think the Nats have also been linked to uh, Chris Bryant as well, which is unfortunate for my Cubs right. if that's the case. Oh yeah, yeah. I tremendous respect for Chris Bryant. What a player. Um, yeah, he, he did some damage to my Indians, though, in that World Series. Uh, he, good ball player. Okay, yeah, so they, they would have to trade for Chris Bryant, though. I wonder what that trade would look like. The Nationals would probably have to ship away one of their outfielders. I think it's difficult to say right now. Um, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about it. It's a sour subject, but that's just my opinion yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, For your sake, I hope they keep Chris Bryant and sign him to a massive extension. Uh, that's what I hope. That's what I hope. So, question number five. Do you think free, the free agency market is against small market teams? Yes. Yes, 100%. Because as a small market team fan, I've noticed bigger teams blowing out of the water and signing guys to $324 million deals while the Indians can't sign someone to anything more than a $60 million deal over multiple seasons. 
the, the free agency market's extremely biased. I think it has something to do with the salary cap, a lot to do with the fact that there is no salary cap in the MLB and that there has to be one, in my opinion, just to even out the playing field. That's why you see the Yankees turn around and be competitive every three years and never really have to go through a true rebuild until a couple years ago, actually, while you see the Indians chug one or two years in the playoffs, then head back, rebuild for another five years, and then hit it again. So, yeah. 100%, I think free agency is pretty biased in the MLB. Yeah, I think the small, in my opinion, I think the small market teams will always be at a disadvantage. Uh, however, the owners of those teams should know if they want to be successful somewhere in the future, they're going to have to spend money. Um, a prime example is is the Reds. Uh, they're a small market yeah. team. They've always been a small market team. But I think the owner this year and late last year started to realize that in order for them to get better, we're going to need to spend money, and they've been one of the biggest. They've been one of the biggest movers this offseason. They've signed um, Mustakis, they've signed Mali, and then they just recently signed uh, the Japanese talent Shogo Akiyama. So I think, yeah, before the season starts, I think they're going to add another big name, um, whether that's Marcel Zuna or somebody else. And I think, as much as this pains me to say, being a Cubs fan, being a Cubs fan. I think the Reds are going to be a contender this year in the Central. So, what's your what's your opinion on on the Reds going out and making all these moves? Right. So, um, Cincinnati to me is the perfect example of what a small market team should do. Just don't be afraid and go all in for it. You've seen the Reds sign big players this year, as you mentioned, and that's something that my Indians and many other small market teams have really, really struggled to wrap their head about head around. A lot of small market teams are very focused on developing talent in the minor leagues. And yes, that's good and important, but there are proven major league talents available that small market teams shy away from. Instead, they trade away their solid players like the Indians are considering trading Lindor for young talent, for young prospects just to try and be in a like almost perennial rebuild, which, which bothers me a lot. The Reds have done a great job in signing reliable bats They've been on the market all over the place. They'll, they'll sign a guy like Mustakis, who's a proven veteran. They signed that Japanese talent. What was his name again? Shogo uh, Akiyama. I probably butchered that, but, that's, but he, hey, no, all good. He's he's a fantastic player, and I think he's gonna he'll probably bat one or two in the Reds lineup this year. Yeah, so they're forcing themselves to be on a level that can compete with any big market team, and that's awesome. So I see the Reds as a prime example for other small market teams to be doing that. What they've done this offseason is kind of scary because I don't want to see my Indians lose the Battle of Ohio, but it might happen um, with the talents that the Reds have brought in. And also, they have some pretty solid players who are staying around, like especially Eugenio Suarez, who under the radar set a record for home runs by third baseman this year. So they're pretty insane, the Reds. They're going to be good this year. And I do agree with you that they might take the Central. I don't think they'll take the central, but I think they'll be a contender for sure. Oh, they'll be a contender. I, I, I would go to say that though. Have you heard actually this rumor? Um, this was a rumor I circled about like a couple of weeks ago. It might not happen, but they were linked in a in a rumor with the Houston Astros. What do you think about this trade? Correa and Reddick head out to Cincinnati for Luis Castillo. I wouldn't give that up. Would I would sick. not give up Castillo. He's one. He's their. He's their ace. I would absolutely not True. do that. Would not do that. I agree. 
unless they were able to sign another starting pitcher. I, I agree with you totally, but that was a rumor. That'd be a very interesting shakeup I mean, to I, see the Astros go with one of their biggest pieces and trade him. I mean, I wouldn't mind picking up Correa, but Reddick's not all that. He used to be a decent player, but now he's kind of he's kind of turning down. So, yeah, true, true that. All right, so final topic: notable free agents that are left waiting to be picked up by teams. So first, uh, what's your opinion on Todd Todd Frazier? Where do you think he'll go? Who do you think will sign him? So Todd Frazier is a third baseman. So any teams that are in the hunt for a third baseman have a chance at signing him. I don't think he'll sign for that much, but I do think either the Nationals, Twins, Braves, maybe the Rangers would be in on a guy like Todd Frazier. He's a proven guy who gets up there and hits for average. He hits for some decent power also, and he's pretty good in the playoffs. So a team that's willing to com- that's thinking they're going to contend that year would be pretty interested in him, I think. So I'm really thinking outside of the box on this one. Uh, I know he still has a few years left in him. He's taken. He's played for the Reds. He's played for the White Sox. He's played for the Yankees, and he's played for the Mets. I think the Mets are going to offer him a contract, but I think it's going to be a minor league contract with an invite. To- really with a big league spree training invite. That'd be interesting to see. I would be surprised personally if he didn't get a major league contract, but again, that's, that's a good deal for the Mets. So if you, he, if he signed to a minor league deal. And here's, here's the reason I say that you have a player by the name of Jeff McNeil, uh, which right now he would probably be the opening day starter. Uh, he's six years younger than Frazier. And he has about the same contact rate and the same power. So, Younger guy over an older veteran, even though 33, uh, I guess in baseball, it's still you're still getting up there in age, but maybe they're trying to groom McNeil for that starting third baseman role. Yeah, McNeil, I've heard a lot about Jeff McNeil and his capabilities at um, when he's batting. I've heard the guy rarely ever strikes out, he hits for a solid average. Yeah, McNeil, he kind of reminds me of Tim Frazier a little, of Todd Frazier. When you look at him a little bit. So if the Mets were doing that, I guess they, they have solid backup in the minor leagues for third base. If they want to move McNeil to left field, which he played a little bit of this year, I think when he was on the all-star team for the NL this year, he played in left field. Am I mistaken on that? I don't really remember. I'm not sure, but he does. He, he does have the capability to play several different positions from the research that I've done. Yeah. So that would be I get a good signing for the Mets if they were able to hack away at uh, Todd Frazier and keep him. I keep thinking Clint Frazier, but they're two very different people. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the second notable player that we're going to talk about is Josh Donaldson. Um, Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson. Where do you think he's going to go and maybe for how much? Okay. So with the, with the numbers on it, so I can't really give you an estimate on how much I think he'll make because, honestly, I have no sense of that. But I will say he'll probably – be linked to the same teams that Frazier will, will be linked to probably Washington. A lot of talks. There was actually a rumor that said he was looking into a four year deal with the Minnesota twins, the Braves maybe could resign him and the Rangers also. So those four teams, again, no matter which team gets Josh Donaldson, they're going to, they're going to be significantly improved. And I do think he'll sign with one of those four teams. So I think, I think the Braves are going to sign him. I do. Um, however, I don't think, I think Donaldson's probably looking for a four-year deal, but I think the Braves are going to offer him a two- or three-year deal um, due to his current mm-hmm. age. He's 36. I Personally, I would not offer him any more than a three-year deal just because he, he, he is 36. I agree. Yeah. 
Absolutely. He'd be 40 by the time that deal ends. And by the end of probably two years in, he'll start getting traded around. And And by the time he's 40, he probably wouldn't have anything left in the tank, especially with the injuries that he's had. I'll have to agree with you on that one. So the third player on this list we're going to talk about is Kipnis. Jason Kipnis. So one of your hometown boys, what do you, what do you think? All right, so I don't know where he's going to go, but I'm almost 100% sure that if he signs a contract, it will be a minor league contract. There really is no upside, sadly. He's my favorite player, Jason Kipnis, but I got to say this, that there's really no point in signing him to anything other than a minor league contract. His runs created plus was below the league average by a ton this year. He struck out almost half the time he had barely any consistency at the plate. And when he did hit, it was for basically zero power. He, he's, he's nearing the end of his career, which was a really good one. And I have enjoyed multiple years of watching Jason Kipnis play at his prime, but I see him going to a random team that needs a second baseman in AAA. Someone to be a stopgap. Maybe he could crack a major league roster when the 40 man opens in September but I don't see him on a major league team to begin the season. I think that's a really good, a really good take on that. I think the Indians are probably, you'd probably know about this more than I would. I think the Indians are probably trying to groom young talent to fill that second baseman's role. Um, And yeah. And with Kipnis trending down, uh, why not start him off in in AAA? And then if he proves himself, uh, maybe his contact rate goes up, his hitting for power goes up. uh, Maybe they shift him back up and put him on major league roster. But who knows? I think only time will tell with him. Only time will tell. Yeah. Regardless, he had a phenomenal career. Yep. So, Absolutely. the next player we're going to talk about is Marcelo Zuna. Played left field for the St. Louis Cardinals this past season. However, now he is a free agent. Where do you think he's going to go? Right. So, I, I've heard a lot of stuff about him going to the Reds. That, that seems to be a very consistent rumor. Ideally, a team like the Indians would snatch him because the Indians do need outfield help. Delano DeShields Jr. is not going to cut it to anyone who thinks he will. He's not going to help at all. I think Ozuna and the other two outfielders that I wanted to talk about um, would fit well with the Indians, but I don't think he's going to go there. I've heard rumors of him talking with the Reds and a few other teams. I think if any team signs him, it's going to be the Reds. But really, with all these outfielders, I have no idea where they could sign. I, I know Ozuna's pretty much confined. Is Ozuna confined to left field or can he play other positions? As in far as I know, he is specifically used for left field. Yeah, so there's a lot of teams that could that could really snatch him. I think the Reds would be the most likely one, but I'm I'm really not sure in terms of Ozuna, Pui, Castellanos, or any of those other outfielders. So I think he will end up with the Reds. So he had a great 2019 campaign with almost 30 homers and 89 RBIs. Um, I think the Reds are probably going to offer him a two- to three-year contract, maybe in the ballpark of 50 to $60 million. So if you think about it, the Reds outfield beacon could consist of Ozuna, Nick Senzel, and Aristides Aquino, which is an absolute stud. And I think that is a is a boss. I think that is a solid outfield. I think Nick Senzel still has a lot to it. Uh, still has a lot to prove, but he has a lot of uh, a lot of upside. A lot of upside. Yeah, Senzel was actually linked in multiple trade talks mm-hmm. recently, especially with the Indians. That'd be that'd be funny to see that if the Reds went out and got Lindor. Hope not to see that. 
I would be astonished, blown away if that actually happened. Blown away. I, I would I would leave the sport of baseball. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um. All right. So I'll, it would be devastating. Last person on this list, Yasiel Puig. Where do you think he's going to go? Okay, so with Puig, I'm going to tell you my hope with Puig because, again, the outfielders, I really, really have no clue. I hope the Indians resign him. I think Fran Mil Reyes is unreliable as a defensive option with the Indians, and I think Puig would have a great time returning to Cleveland under the leadership of Santana, hopefully Lindor. They were able to keep his – they were able to keep Puig chill, basically. So that's like one occurrence. They were able to take a guy that's really wild – and have him under control and have him perform to his best. He, he hit like 297 with the Indians while he was there. And that was a great stat line. He was pounding homers all over the place. So I would love to see him come back to the Indians. Realistically, I don't think it'll happen. But th- I think that'd be a great signing for the tribe. So he's been, he's been bouncing around a lot these past couple seasons. Uh, he spent his first uh, six or seven years with the Dodgers. And then last year, uh, the Reds picked him up on that massive trade that brought – um, Alex Wood, Puig, and one other player over from the Dodgers. And, and Matt, Matt Kemp. Kemp. <laughs> and none of those guys are on the Reds anymore. Pretty funny. Uh, no, actually, Wood might be. Wood might be. Yeah, I believe, I believe he is. And then uh, yeah. he shipped off of the trade deadline to the Indians. I think he is going to stay in Cleveland. I don't know the length of the contract or the amount or the amount. But I think he will stay with – I think he'll stay with Cleveland. I really do. Uh, solid defensive outfielder. And they can truly hit the power, especially with that 297 stat line. Yeah. I'd want that. Yeah, the Indians need that. And that'd be great. That'd be awesome to see. Well, I think that wraps everything up. Ben, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your time. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Hopefully I'll have you on my podcast someday Sounds soon. Plan. All right. Great. All right. See you soon. All right. Bye. See ya.